Hi, welcome to the WellDoc podcast. We're medical students bringing you honest conversations with practicing physicians surrounding wellness in medicine. Thank you for joining us on this journey as we look to those in the field for direction and advice in achieving balance and wellness in our present and future lives. For this episode, we are being joined by Dr. Joyce Varkey, a pediatric hematologist oncologist at Texas Children's. Join us as we learn more about the importance of checking in with yourself throughout your medical training and career, and how incorporating things that bring you happiness into the day-to-day can help you stay true to yourself and to your values. Hi, Dr. Varkey. Thank you so much for joining us on the WellDoc podcast. Something we ask everyone first is, what are three good things that happened to you this week? Yes. So I wanted to say something cool related to like my hobbies or self-care or something like that, but I'm going through sort of like a mini season of work, just like a heavy workload right now in the past like five weeks or so. So the three good things are related to my connections to the people around me. So the first one was I got to spend some time with my older daughter this past week because she was out sick from daycare and she's fine. But um, the funny thing was she decided she keeps overhearing me saying to my sister, bro, like that's just like something that we do a lot between me and my sister. And she decided she wants to say bro now. And so like the whole car ride was like us just having a conversation and her saying that it just cracked me up because she's really hitting her stride with like being funny, you know, (laughs) the other thing was going on this like nice family walk to a park. So it was a win-win because it was beautiful weather out. My husband and I got some good quality time where the kids are distracted by the walk and then we get to talk and then we get to the park and the kids have a a blast. So it was a great time that afternoon. And then the last thing was I got to have dinner with my aunts and her family, my cousins and everything locally. A, I love spending time with them and B, my cousins are, they're like in high school and they have a really good relationship. She has a really good relationship with my two kids. And so I really love seeing that relationship blossom over the past you know six to eight months since we've moved here because they didn't really know each other before we moved here and now they like love each other and that makes me very happy got it wow that's so nice you got to have like so much family time and everything yeah it really fills up my cup so to speak so maybe in a month I will get back to like all the hobbies that I have. <laughs> but for now for now these were really good highlights nice and the second thing we'd like to ask everyone is what does wellness mean to you yeah so I was trying to come up with like my own take on it, right? Because obviously you can get a dictionary definition, but that's not what you want. So for me, it's first of all, knowing what your values are, right? Because your values are not going to be the same as my values. Some of it, yeah, it overlaps amongst all humans, right? Like if you look like Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever, like, yes, some of that is common, but knowing what you value and then the way that you spend your day lines up with those values, just on average, at least. Um, And if they do, then I think that really contributes a lot to wellness. And then the other two parts for me, it's like the agency or like knowing that you have power to change the things that don't line up with your values or like if they're out of alignment and then awareness of what is going well in your life. And that's like the whole idea of gratitude, right? So if, if some things are going well or, um, or they're not, whatever, being able to step back and see like, okay, that is something that I should be grateful for versus always looking at the negative is I think how wellness makes sense to me. Got it. So it sounds like being aware of what's going on in your life and checking in with yourself to make sure like this is, these are things that you're doing that are important to you and you're putting time to things that you actually value. Yeah, 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 exactly. 
So I know you mentioned that you've been spending a lot of time with your family lately, but I was wondering what are some of your like self-care practices or how do you unwind? Yeah. So, I mean, besides spending time with them, I have a lot of interests, like a wide variety and like passions and things I love to talk about. But you asked me how I like to unwind and those would really be reading, doing puzzles and not too hard puzzles. I, I hit my at like 500, like 750,000. I'm like, now I get stressed. <laughs> um, and then spending time in nature. So I think, yeah. Are there a lot of parks near your house and everything now? Yeah, we have a really good like kid friendly parks uh, really close, which is the one that I walked to three miles round trip. And so it's, it's nice to like get my, you know, get my blood flowing on the way to and from and the kids love it. But then I mean, if we drive like 30 minutes, there's like a bunch of nature preserves and like things like that. It's not like I'm originally from New York, um, and I moved to Texas about, I guess, like eight months ago, I guess. Um, and yes, mm-hmm. the scenery is very different, but the weather is nicer for longer. So we've been appreciating that aspect of it. I wouldn't say that there's like hardcore hiking. And I've I've looked and asked people who are like local here. And th- I mean, there's woods and stuff, but make do. Gotcha. I enjoy it. So I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about work-life balance and how you sort of prioritizing like family time and social time along with your work. Yeah, I think looking back, things are vastly different for me now as an attending who chose the job that I did, which I think we could talk about in a little bit. But I would say it's a long game. It's it's a marathon. And I wouldn't say that I have an even balance because I think the word work-life balance sort of, at least in my mind, like implies that there's like a so at least sort of equitable division between work and life. For me right now, it's just a constantly shifting seesaw, honestly, like a pendulum. And sometimes it's like work takes up most of my bandwidth and then I swing the other way. And now it's like, okay, the life part of my life takes over. But I don't think that I've found that utopia where there's work-life balance, but I'm at peace with that. I feel like as I've gotten older, it makes sense versus like trying to fight that and like just leaning into that. Sometimes, yes, do I get frustrated? Like I wish there was a little bit more balance or like when I'm really in a heavy season of work, yeah, it can feel a little bit overwhelming. But then at least now as an attending, it is a sprint and not a marathon for me because what I do, I'm a hospitalist. So just briefly, it's I do, for example, like seven days of work in a row, consecutive days, uh, and there are 12 hour shifts. So in that in that week, if you ask me, do I have work-life balance? Not really. I don't because it's just sort of impossible. I, we make the best of it as a family. I try to prepare as much as I can, like offload the chores, that sort of thing. And then my priorities are like, I either am sleeping, I'm at work, or I'm like playing with my kids. Like those are the only three things that are happening. Nothing else is happening. There's no other like self-care, you know, but I know that there's a end in sight. Whereas I think if you asked me, when I was in training, it was much more of sprints in the middle of a marathon and then more sprinting. So work-life balance was just not really happening. Got it. What was it like sort of starting a family during your training? And do you have any advice for people who are like kind of interested in doing something similar? I had a lot of help from my family. A lot. Some might say I was spoiled. I probably was. I, I was very appreciative of it. So I hope I wasn't like entitled to it. But I don't know how we would have handled it without like my parents being there and like my sister lives at the time we lived very close to each other and she's like basically my best friend. So they were just available to me all the time. And they were all very accommodating of my schedule, like my schedule and like my availability sort of set the scene. I think that if you're thinking of starting a family, like at whatever point of your training, right? Cause everybody has different 
amounts of training. So I did six years total, but some of you may have more or less. But I don't think this is like what I, I wish this wasn't true. But I think for somebody going into medicine, you need to have more planning and preparation than the average person is going to. A lot of people do think a lot about having kids and like what that would mean for like childcare and those sorts of things. And I, there are a lot of other jobs out there that are difficult. It's not like medicine's the most difficult in terms of hours, but I, I still think then like I would give them the same advice too if they had were working 80 hour work week. So do the same thing. But for a medical student or you know resident or a fellow, you just unfortunately I would not recommend going into it just blindly, which I don't think anybody is, but it just takes a lot more effort, I think. It's doable. I mean, I did it. I had my first right at the end of residency. Mm-hmm. And then I took a, a gap year, so to speak, did per diem year, uh, work between residency and fellowship. And then I had my second, like midway through second year of fellowship. And we did it. But like I said, it was a lot of help. My mom and my dad, like filling in all the gaps that were forming around me. Got it. So it sounds like you had a really strong support system. Yes. Like throughout your training. Very strong support system. And I was very lucky for that. I know other people who may not have had the same amount of support, but they were then needing to figure out, and they did, how to hire help, for example. Or like some people might not want their parents to be the ones that are helping them out. Like, you know, everybody has their own family dynamics. So if as long as you're like thinking through, like, what does it mean for me not to be available the way that other parents might be able to, to their children, you know, just planning more. Got it. Okay. So I kind of want to transition a little bit more and talk about your work specifically. So if there's ever like a really tough moment at work, how do you sort of cope with that? And what are the resources you feel like physicians have or might have in similar situations? Yeah. So I think when we say like, what's a tough moment, you sort of have to parse out what is, what is the toughness coming from? Right. And I think this is applicable to like most subspecial, like most fields, but is it the workload? Is it the personality clashes that are inevitable in any department? The learning curve just of like being in training. Uh, Is it just sheer physical exhaustion of like being on the job and like sleep deprived, probably not eating well, being away from your support system because you can have a strong support system, but like you're spending most of your time those, those years with your residents or whoever. And then I think lastly is the difficult patient cases, right? So which of those aspects of, a tough time are we talking about? Because I think that really affects like how you handle it. I think I sort of separate out everything in like one bucket is all of it, except the hard patient cases. That's like how I visualized it. So knowing what brings you joy, right? So I started this practice when I was in medical school and it sounds like so obvious, but it, it worked for me. I would keep a literal list of the things that brought me joy. Because when I started when I was a medical student, I was like studying, 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 and then it would all be over. And then it would be like, I don't even know what I want to do right now. And because I just felt so drained that I couldn't remember like what it was that I wanted to do so badly six months ago, you know? So like I lost myself. And it wasn't just me, like a, a lot of my, my classmates felt the same way. And so I started this thing of just, just keeping a list so that when the time came where I did have a pocket of time where I could put it back to myself, I knew what I wanted to do. Right. And it didn't feel like I was spinning my wheels because so many of us just, you know, fall into this trap of just watching whatever's on TV and like just aimlessly doing that. Now, if you love to watch TV and like you're doing it intentionally, I'm not trying to talk smack about TV. That's not my intention here, but it should just be an intentional practice. 
and it wasn't the case for me. So once I made that list, it really helped me a lot. And then just even if it's like a tiny way to give something back to yourself, to just do it instead of like waiting for these like large pockets of time. Because like as a resident, people would talk about golden weekends. But I found that if you just waited, sorry, for the golden weekend, you're just like all this time pass by where you're letting your, your battery run low instead of just being like, okay, this is like five minutes or like 10 minutes. Like, for example, when I was a fellow, like the only steady me time that I had was my commute. And yeah, it was very long. So it was painful that way. But then that was the time that I made all my personal phone calls and I listened to my audiobooks. And like I said, those were the things that un- helped me unwind. And so I literally had to shoehorn it into my commute. Because otherwise, it's just never going to happen. Um, and then like the wellness practices. Yes, the obvious things eat well, sleep more like exercise, all that stuff. Everybody knows that stuff. But for me, the other thing was I've always been a writer, like a journaler, at least not like publishing things. And so for a more general approach to wellness that like I think could be applied to other people who don't journal, for example, I swear by doing regular like brain dumps or brain releases. So it's just like you have a million thoughts going on in your mind. And it ranges from like really mundane stuff like, okay, I have to go buy this from the grocery store, or I need to book flights for my next trip, or all the way up to like, this patient is dying, and we have no other options. And I'm feeling really sad about it. I just literally just write all of that stuff that's on my mind at one time. And I try to do this fairly regularly, like once a month, at least. And then if I'm feeling like I have a little bit more energy, I take it a step further. And I like either categorize it into things like, I do have control over this, or I don't have control over this. And then if I don't, okay, I whatever your religious or spiritual practice are like, I just do like a serenity prayer and like, just let it go because I don't have control over it. And so I can identify that. And then if I do have control over it, okay, then I'm like, okay, what are the steps that I could do like bite-sized steps? Or I say like, this is urgent and this is not urgent. And this is probably never going to happen. And so just let it go with my to-do list. (laughs) So that's helped me for years now. To me, that helps with like wellness in the sense of like the mental stress of like holding too much stuff in your head. That really helped me a lot. But the difficult cases, I think, though, that's a separate situation, right? So I don't want to get too, like, depressing, but when you're in oncology, either adult or peds, it gets, it can be uh, very difficult. And, like, reckoning with mortality, whether it's somebody else's mortality or your own mortality, is such a heavy concept. So for me, hobbies aren't going to save me in that situation. So Like, obviously, hobbies are important in overall wellness, right? But in terms of dealing with that sort of issue, I don't think it's enough. So I think it matters for me how I perceive my place in the universe when I'm dealing with mortality. So I think sort of for me, accepting the duality of life, there are births and deaths happening at the same time. There's joy and grief that that have to coexist in the world, in yourself, Or like you have to find a way to help it coexist in yourself. And then just reminding myself that like we're on this giant ladder and then there's always going to be somebody who's above you or like bigger than you or like has it better than you. And then if you look down, there's always going to be somebody who has it worse than you. You know, even if it's like my child died, there's somebody who has experienced a quote worse loss, right? So that's just in a nutshell, like trying to deal with mortality because we all have to, right? We're not above death in any field. At least not yet. I don't know. And I don't think we ever will be. So it's something that we all have to come to terms with. Now, like some doctors may not experience it as much as other, phys- you know, other doctors. But I think all of us at some point will experience it at least once. So and some of us, a lot more than that. That's, I don't know if help is the right word for it, but it has uh, made it more 
and sense is not really the right word either, but I hope that you're understanding the gist of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. So on the opposite side of that coin, yeah, what do you like okay. most about your job or your specific <laughs> So with in, pe in pediatrics, I just think <laughs> that taking care of kids just makes the job so much easier because yes, they're cute and they're innocent and they I think for me, it's like, no, it helps with alleviating any potential burnout where, you know, yeah, even the cutest kid can sometimes just be annoying. And I hope I'm not, you know, people aren't hating me as a pediatrician for saying that I will say that about my own kids. But I feel like when you when you can take a step back and just say, this is still just a kid who's going through something tough. And whether it's just, you know, your standard issue of bronchiolitis, and they'll be fine. Or you're dealing with like, sometimes like, I've heard other colleagues say, yeah, this is, uh, you know, your standard risk leukemia. They'll be fine. And I want to say, just take a step back, like what you just said. <laughs> and I get why they say it, because it's like, we see a day in and day out. But for a parent or a child, it's like, this is their whole world is upside down. And so for me, seeing that play out on like a kid, like with a kid is just it, it just makes the job thing more fun and just lightens my spirit. Even if it's like such a hard day all over, like when I walk into the room, like the patient's room, I just feel like it all kind of fades into the background and I can really focus on like what I'm doing for that patient and that family. And then I love that the parents are involved, like as much as they can. Uh, I like being part of a team and I like, I, and to me that extends to including the parents and like the siblings as appropriate. So for me, that brings me joy. And then why oncology or like what I love about oncology, I think there's a lot of difficult situations in medicine and this is one of them. And I feel like I get the opportunity to be a source. If I do my job right, be a source of like light and calm and comfort for that family in a moment of need. And it's, I think one of the hardest parts of my job being in that room at that time, but it's also the, I think the most, I know it's the most rewarding part of my job for me. So it's that dichotomy. I wanted to ask if you had any advice for your younger self. Um, if I could go back or in time. any advice for like current medical students. <laughs> I would remind myself that you have <laughs> control over the situation. You do have agency. And to remind myself to be empowered. Because I think at that stage of my life, I felt this sort of fallacy, like a sunk cost, right? Like, oh, well, I'm so far in, I can't change anything. Or... I've already put this much money in, I can't change anything or whatever, you know, whatever you're thinking. I just would like to remind somebody out there that you still have some agency over the situation. Most things are a choice. They have consequences and you might not love all the consequences, but you still have a choice. And to remind myself and whoever else out there that you have the power and to take that power and make changes and course correct as you want to. So that kind of goes back to the beginning of the episode of talking about what wellness is. And if you see that the way I spend my time is not how I want to spend my time and then doing something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Like just being very yes. active in your own life yeah. and not sort yeah. of just and like, like passively yourself that you're it. the author still like checking in. Well, thank, thank you so you. much and thank you for chatting with me today. I really appreciate Thank you again, Dr. Varkey, for that great discussion. We hope that this episode has got you thinking about the importance of self-reflection and self-awareness and how it contributes to wellness as a physician. 
We'd like to give a huge shout out to Wilson Zhang for his awesome audio editing skills. And we'll see you next season on the WellDoc Podcast.